Hello, hello, hello. And you're all very welcome to the Cannes Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness. And today we've got a returning guest, the great guy, Jack O'Sullivan, who's the director of ZWAI. You can find them on ZWAI.ie. That's the Zero Waste Alliance Ireland and Jack, we've had on for two shows previously, and I'd highly recommend that anybody who hasn't heard those two shows to go over to Spreaker.com, find us on their uh, Can Projects podcast. And the first show we did with Jack was called Zero Waste Climate Crisis, Jack O'Sullivan. And that's a great show. Go and check that out, guys. Great, great information in there. Really positive conversation around this topic. And then the second show we did with Jack was Solutions to the Climate Crisis and Zero Waste. So those two shows are over on Spreaker.com. Again, I highly encourage you to go and check that out. If you want to contact us, you can send us an email at canprojects.info at gmail.com. That's canprojects.info at gmail.com. And now we're going to have Chris Sneed in as a co-host with myself, Shane McKay. Back with Jack O'Sullivan to talk more about the climate crisis. And the title of this show is Realistic Climate Solutions with Jack O'Sullivan from Zero Waste Alliance Ireland. Now, basically, if you look at what a lot of these uh, people who are trying to resist progress do, it's a standard kind of a, of a strategy. Hmm. is they exaggerate the amount of money that something good will cost. Repack, for example, stated about a year ago, I think it was a year ago, that introducing reverse vending machines in Ireland would cost 150 million or 250 million. Now, Lithuania introduced them at very little cost. So how is it Lithuania can do it? which is a country smaller than Ireland with a population of less than 3 million, whereas we have 6.4 million. There's, there's, there's a very specific example. Um, in England, a few years ago, they bought, um, it's like a tent system for putting over landfill and a vibration machine to, to bring natural to biomethane up out of the yeah. so, uh-huh. And it collects in the tent and then it's compressed. Yeah. They bought four of them and like, the Irish government was like, no, no, that's way too expensive. But within a year... It actually made enough money from the gas collection to buy four more. To buy four more. <laughs> you know. Again, the Irish government government probably got the advice from the waste industry, hmm. which didn't want that thing at all to be implemented because it, it would reduce their profits. I find if you look at costs quite often quoted by industry, they are fictitious and they're designed to stop people doing something which would impact on their profits. And sometimes it, 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 it goes that curious way. We have, for example, a proposal in Mullingar for an old barracks to be turned into a community-based um, centre. Hmm. And the cost of that would not be great. But there's a, there's a man in the town who is very much into big industry, and he's saying it'll cost $100 million to do anything with it. Now, his strategy is very good because he's frightening off and uh, it'll be government people who might say, oh, look, we'll help this, these community groups. Well, Jack, is he's pointing out a problem instead of a solution. But he's creating a problem mm. in the sense that he's trying to push the state agencies 
into saying to themselves, oh, look, these community groups will never raise 100 million. So we'd better give it to some big developer. Yeah. And again, it's like Repack saying that um, introducing um, uh, reverse vending machines will cost 250 million. Of course it won't. But by stating that, and the the biggest example of all, Shane and Chris, if you remember, was when one of our government ministers was thinking of introducing a ban on smoking. Go way back to the time pubs are full of smoke. And the tobacco industry allying itself with the Vintners Association and what they call the hospitality industry said, this will cost billions. We lose all our tourists. And they, they literally created a scenario that was supposed to frighten the government into doing nothing about smoking. But we were in good hands at the time. Whoever was the Minister for Health at the time, might have been Michal Martin actually, ignored their their cries of alarm and their false information. And he went ahead with a balanced smoking and it saved hundreds of lives. Yeah, absolutely. We have the same kind of thing done by the waste industry. There, Any move at all, let's say the move to introduce repairability, there'll be a chorus of shouting from the waste industry representatives stating, oh, this will cost billions. Of course it won't. And as you hear Apple saying, oh, having a, a standard uh, charger is going to, co- it might cost them a little bit. there. But if you're making 20 billion profit a year, what's a few million? It, it, it might. But they're, they're, how to put, they're, a way of thinking is they don't want anything to affect in any way their profitability. Well, to me as well, Apple, they're the kind of a company that have again and again, their model seems to be to kind of corner markets. Yes, and they're very effective at doing that. Yeah. And this is what, in a way, the capitalist system works. It's not providing a service which people want, but by grabbing a market or by creating a market and then supplying that market and making sure you're the one whose name is up there in lights <laughs> and creating. Sure, look, years back, there was no market for, say, um, no, go back. And here's another one. A long time back, people bought cameras. Hmm. That market has disappeared almost, except for professionals. Now everyone uses a mobile phone as their camera. And the the one good thing, of course, out of all this is that using the internet, and as you're doing in, in, in CAN, you're now enabling people to talk to each other and to listen to different voices other than the voices that are being promoted heavily by wealthy groups who want to see a different kind of progress that we would want to see. Hmm. I say we, because by the sound of our discussion, you and I and, Sh- and Chris. And yeah. To one it's it, it's either a race at the bottom or a race, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting one. Well, Jack, we, we would definitely can consider ourselves an, an alloy of yours because we absolutely uh, find your work very inspiring. And it's fantastic to see uh, Zero Waste Alliance getting some real traction now. We are going to get real traction. We hope so. We want to increase our membership. And how we're going to do that is we want people to to, to come and join us who actually want to work. We're slightly different models, say, from, say, Friends of the Earth. We just want lots and lots of people to pay money. And that's very, very good. What we want is people who would be interested in joining us who would take part in our work. And what do we do? We do a lot of, we do some lobbying. 
Hmm. Whenever the government has a public consultation, it could be a public consultation on the sustainable development goals of the UN. It could be a public consultation on the introduction of, um, say, reverse vending machines or putting a tax on non-repairable stuff. We want to write detailed submissions based on examples and make our voice as strongly evidence-based as the, the competing voices from industry who say, oh, we shouldn't do it, we can't do it, we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. We're saying we can afford it. And the example you've just given there, Chris, about the capturing the methane from landfill is a very good example. Yeah. Where um, we were told by some crowd, that our government was told, oh, that'll be too expensive, we can't do it. In fact, we can't. Yeah, it, pay, it can pay for itself within a year. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's it's where the economic, the economic arguments... And I should finish with this, actually very important because the economic arguments can be made. Economics is not, it's not like biology. No. Ecology, you can go out there in the environment and you can study it and you can find out how it works. Yeah. Economics is a construct. <laughs> it's a human construct. And one firm could say, one big firm of economists can say, running an oil refinery doesn't make sense. Another firm can say running an oil refinery is a fantastic benefit to the country because there will be a money flow into the country. And I've seen exactly that example where um, we sold off our oil refinery. Hmm. We're the only country in Europe, apart from, I think, Crete or Malta, that, that can't refine any oil. We sold off our oil tanks and now we are paying a company in the Netherlands to store six months of oil for us. Imagine paying for six months of oil. That's a lot of oil. So um, a lot of the economic arguments we're getting from, um, let's call it private, the private sector, mm-hmm. are skewed on the basis that they say this will cost, whatever we're planning and do will cost a lot of money. The reality is it probably is a good thing to do, but they don't want to see mm-hmm. new regulations coming in. Kind of economic yeah. against it. There, there is companies making money from sustainability. Like there there's, the, there's the there biofuel are. refinery in and Ross, but they're yeah. shipping all their biofuel to Sweden because yeah. with the taxes and charges in Ireland, it's not worth selling it here. Chris, that's an interesting one. I didn't know about the the company New Ross, but some years ago I was doing some work up in Greenore Port, hmm. and actually you wouldn't believe this was for the golf club. Don't, I don't often do work for golf clubs, but this... Well, exactly. gra- grass does take on carbon out of the atmosphere, so... <laughs> and it was a very simple job because a company had planned to build a uh, um, a biofuels plant, which would mm-hmm. take waste oil from restaurants and so on yeah. and turn it into biodiesel. But it's it an easy enough process. Like it's not a very a, easy process. But instead no. of putting the tanks lying flat on the ground, they had all their tanks standing upright, mm-hmm. right in front of the windows of the golf club, where they would obstruct the view all the way up Carlingford Lock. And that's the only reason the golf club was objecting, simply because they would ruin their view. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable. And if the tanks were just simply laid flat or buried into the ground, no problem. Yeah. But the company wouldn't do it anyway, but they never built it because what happened in Ireland was an example of exactly what you're saying. Initially, yeah. um, some 
the Department of Government said, look, this all this oil is we're producing thousands of tonnes every year. It's going to waste. It's either ending up being burned in an incinerator or going into a landfill. If we turn it into diesel, we shouldn't be charging excise duty on it. So that would make it cheap. So companies, a number of them started up doing exactly that. And then the Department of Finance said, oh, no, we can't be losing this excise duty. That's a loss. Put it back on again. And so the company in Green Ore never started up. No. You know, they were only looking at the head side, the coin, the tail side was that you'd have people employed, you'd have... Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, that's exactly, exactly what happened too with the, with the um, oil refinery in Cork Harbour. That was sold off at a mm-hmm. huge loss. And the, for once, I actually saw an economic study, which I thought was very good, a really good detailed study, which was done by a firm of engineers not by a firm of accountants. Hmm. And they showed, exactly as you said, Chris, that when you take into account the employment and the value of the product which the refinery at Whitegate in Cork Harbour would produce if it was taken right. back into state hands, would be a big plus. Hmm. But we never did it. It's still owned by an American company. Who sold it to another American company who sold it to another American company. Yeah. So we'll get on to that next time. Yeah, great, Jack. Well, listen, we will wrap it up and we got, we got through so much there. I think we're probably, we'll probably get three shows out of this and we, we, maybe we'll put one out a week or something like that. And you're up, you're, you'd be oh, very, very welcome. Yeah, any, I, I, any time. I, I think we've probably got about three more hours of chatting to do. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's have another chat in about maybe a week or two or a couple of weeks time. What's yeah, about that? Oh, that'd be brilliant, Jack. And if there's anything we can do to help you at all, Please feel very welcome to give us a show anytime. Yeah. Well, I I have to uh, go to your 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 uh, Facebook page. And we see haven't got we, we haven't got one yet. I'm going to be setting that up today. Actually, how yeah. do you how do you attract listeners? Well, right now we've got our own website. So at the moment we're 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 on just YouTube and uh, our own website. But we've kind of got a plan lined up where we're going to be going onto other platforms. So yeah. right now yeah. we're we're quite early. But we're starting to see real, um, real traction and interest. We've, we've we've quite a lot of people on uh, LinkedIn as well. Oh, that's I, great. LinkedIn is very good. Yeah, I, I, prom- I promote it through my two business pages because Excellent. I actually have two business pages on Facebook. And so, as well as that, I see CAN also includes culture, absolutely, well being, absolutely, and oh yeah. The whole cultural issue is is so important in Ireland. Yeah, and 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 we really we're a big part of what we advocate is that you know it, it, it's important to have an active engagement and an interest in the world around us, and we see it that you know that's beneficial not only to our health but also our environment. That's yeah. right, Shane. But to get people having an active interest is very difficult. Mm. I know, for example, around Mullingar, I meet the ordinary Sean and Mary Susan and. They've disengaged from the world around them because yeah. they see government as being exploitative. They don't trust government. They see big business grabbing piles of money. They see their income, their, their and not their income, total income, but the, the, their purchasing power going down. 
They don't see a way out of it at all. Mm-hmm. And they hear government ministers saying, oh, yes, we're going to do this and that. And then they look around and they find they're still stuck in the same problems. Well, you know, I like I love to hear from everyone as well and see what everybody kind of has to say about it. And, you know, whether you're on one side of the thing or another, it's, it is important to hear everybody's voice. It is. And, That's very, very true. Yeah. A, yeah. An open dialogue, as we've said. An before. open dialogue. Chris. Exactly. Yeah. Said yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. So again, for our right. viewers... Um, Jack at ZWA Alliance ZWAI.ie for anybody interested in this that thinks they can help Jack and ZWA are the guys to talk to and Orla Kuta as well who is our research we can't forget about Orla no no and guys again there's the website if you want to learn more there it is right now on screen for everybody so Jack Thanks again so much, and we look forward to speaking with you again. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, yeah. Chris. Thanks, Jack. Keep well. Bye now. Thank you. Bye All now. the best. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wow, we, Chris. Yeah, that was pretty fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, F bomb. Oh, dang. Chris, that was. Hold on. Let me line up our. Ah, the wonders of editing. Yeah. Chris. That was phenomenal. What a guy. That what a was legend. Amazing. Like, a living like, legend, I would say. Yeah. And, and, and again, another champion for things that are vulnerable and in danger, yeah. like our environment well, and I us. Mean, us as a race. About here, I'd put Jack about here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? And there's yeah. loads more. We, Jesus, we, we, Jeepers, we had loads of. Um, Oh yeah, Those I didn't even get questions. To, I didn't even get to touch on them, like alternative fuels and stuff. Really, um, I mentioned the biodiesel, but um, there's loads of other alternatives that there is available. I mean, just converting your car to LPG, liquid propane gas, which can also be run off biomethane, like from the Green Generation company at GreenGeneration.ie is their website. Yeah, and you were telling uh, me about something very interesting, uh, Chris. Was the Biodigester, is that is that yeah, yeah, anaerobic biodigestion, which is turning turning um food and animal wastes and into into biogas which can be used in the national natural gas grid or to generate electricity or for heating homes or even bottled for like you know your standard home gas cooker or you know. Chris, I'm gonna roll this again there because I flashed some stuff there that yeah. On. Chris, you were telling me about the bio digestion waste. Mm. Is that right? We're- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, using kind of um, biomass to generate gas, uh, which is biomethane, and can be used instead of natural gas in a lot of processes. Like it can be used to fuel cars, heat homes, cook your dinner. Is this you know, the one, Chris, that you said that that can pay for itself in four year in one year? They can have. Um, that's the one that they use in landfill, where it's a tent, like. And they put the tent down and a vibration machine that it's like landfill fracking, if you will. They use the and vibration fracking, to, Chris, for people might not everybody has heard of fracking. Yeah. It was in the news quite a lot. We don't we're not yeah, hearing about it's it. A, now. It's a way of extracting gas from shale and things like that where it normally wouldn't be. It's a non renewable source of energy. Yeah, yeah. It's taking um like natural gas out of the soil and the shale, but it's got a lot of drawbacks and a lot of problems with it um, we could nearly do like we could nearly do a whole show about that in particular we probably will in fact yeah so it's basically making small explosions underground stuff but this system uses vibrations to bubble up the methane gas into the tent and then it's com- 
sent into a, a compressor to compress it down into a liquid form. And de- then it's a packaged prog- product then, like, you know, mm. it's, you, you know. Mm. And whereas um, it's just leaching into the atmosphere. And methane is much more damaging to the environment than carbon dioxide. And, like, if, we're, if, if you want to move from fossil fuels to, like, methane, you're, you're still producing some carbon dioxide from the burning of it. But I think it's like 12%, don't quote me on that, like 12% of the carbon dioxide of burning petrol or diesel, mm. right? But you're also removing methane from the cycle. So it's kind of a plus-plus, like, you know? Yeah, and this, this again, Chris, this kind of highlights an issue that we're going to really get into a lot more is the idea of untapped resources. And yes. a great example of, of that that we covered um, on the Sunday on our, on our live stream there over the weekend um, was uh, the, the the turbines and pipes, and mm. that is that's a form of energy that goes on every time we turn our tap on that we could be tapping into, and as far as I can tell, has very little impact on the environment and and is fairly and sustainable. It could be tapped into twice. It could you could have it on the water going into your house, yeah, and then you could have it on your grey water going out your house, which would include rainwater. Wasn't there, there was something really interesting, um, something very interesting we came across, Chris, was, uh, I'll see if I can find it now, was the man-made whirlpool. Yeah, that's very interesting. I haven't had much of an opportunity to look into it. I'll pull it up there now. It's actually something I thought about years ago as a child, like, um, well, I was big on my Captain Planet buzz and things. I was actually coming up with ideas for, you know, reclaiming energy from natural processes. Yeah. Here's a good and, picture here um, to kind of help explain it a little bit more. Hmm. So what we're looking at for people not looking at a screen is basically um, a runoff. What's the word, Chris? Uh, 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 fabrication uh, 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 that yeah. takes, that kind of taps into beside a river and you have a little chute that siphons off some of that water and that goes down, down, down into a kind of a hole, basically. And we can harness that energy and tap mm. into that. And and that, again, is very little to no impact on um, yeah. the environment I mean, and is incredibly sustainable. Mm. Like if I think, I think like if I, how I'd do it would be to use undershot wheels, which are wheels which are under the water which means that fish and all wouldn't get caught in them if fish were going through. Because mm. it feeds back into the river, doesn't it? It goes, yeah. goes out of the river and then back in. So yeah. it's kind of... It's energy that's just there. It's there in the environment mm. and we're not tapping into it. There's Guys, yeah. the solutions are right in front of us. Yeah. We you get know, into um, all of that again anyway. But Chris, yeah. I mean, I am so happy to have had Jack on. Um, oh, what amazing. Guy. Guy. Yeah. A really inspiring work that they're doing, and like I said to him, it's absolutely wonderful to see that they're getting real tra- traction. The only, the only, the only tragedy to it is, is that it hasn't happened sooner. We have to wait until yeah. we're in this multiple crisis kind of scenario as far as the environment and health and everything really. That that that, that yeah, as far as well being goes is um, mm-hmm. in jeopardy right now, and not just us, all the other species on the planet, and we're the ones having an yeah. impact on that. Like um, one that I, I one that really kind of. I see as a terrible shame is that like frogs and salamanders and things like that, the amphibians are like lots of their species are just tipping along at the edge of extinction, like because they're particularly susceptible to pollution. Their skin is so, their skin is so thin 
and there's no there's no real protection that like pollution just goes straight into their bodies. Um, when they're testing water quality, one of the first things they look for is frogs. Wow. If there's frogs, they generally go right. This place is going to be relatively clean. Mm, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like, uh, you know, and that's why that's why frog spawn is a protected thing. You're actually not allowed to harvest frog spawn from the wild, even if you're going to grow into frogs in case you damage it. Yeah, yeah, they're to be left alone. Yeah, and frogs can't be taken. <laughs> yeah, leave those, so, leave those frogs alone. <laughs> so, guys, we're going to love you and leave you. Thanks again. I've been, I am Shane McKay, your co-host. And I'm Chris Mead, your other co-host. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we love coming on here to chat to you. We've got lots of exciting stuff coming up, guys. Um, we'll be launching our audio version of the podcast uh, fairly soon. So keep an eye out for that. Um, what have we got and coming face- up, Chris? Uh, the Facebook page is going to go to li- go live today as well. Brilliant. So what, what kind of stuff have we got coming up, Chris? Oh, we've loads of stuff we've got. Without mentioning any names now, but we've got well, some really internationally recognised guests coming on, guys. Yes, we do. And we've got some local guests to me as well coming on. Yeah. And we're going to be covering wellness. We're going to be covering culture. We're yeah. going to be covering, we've just had Jack to speak about the environment too. Oh, we've got a very, very interesting composer. Um, yes, yes. And uh, well known. His stuff has been in uh, Carnegie Hall, the Kremlin. He's done exhibitions for the Irish Wax Museum. Mm-hmm. And the current project he's working on is to do it. Um, mental, it's mental health and no 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 well we will oh, get we'll get into that yeah. not so much um, that what, what, he, what he's the project he's focusing on now um, is oh yes 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 yeah is yeah it, he's working with uh, hearing impaired individuals and music yeah he's working yeah. on a way that deaf people are hearing and, and hearing impaired people can experience music and express music and mm. I mean when I came across this guy, I was like, oh, it looks like he's w- working on some interesting stuff. And it turns out it's mega, mega interesting. And, yeah. you know, me being a musician and I like to help people, it's like way up my alley anyway. Yeah. So fantastic having Jack O'Sullivan, the director of Zero Waste Alliance Ireland, on with us to talk about solutions to the climate crisis with a realistic and balanced approach that is not coming from an angle of profitability. It's sustainability and fairness, I think, it would be also another thing that comes up quite a lot. And the issue of having people's voices heard, which are all things we're covering a lot at the moment. We're going to have more guests on in relation to the climate crisis and our environment. And we'll be talking a bit about COP26. So stay tuned, guys. The conversation's starting to pick up more momentum now. Please, uh, if you find this useful, if you know anybody who might also be interested, send it on to them. And if you can't follow us, please do. All the best.